I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. And then I want you to look, if you will please, at uh, verse number 7. Verse number 1 and verse number 7 of Philippians 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, every preacher that writes or has anything to do with people ought to be able to say that about them if he's responsible for their spiritual welfare. This is not something done for money. This is not something done for prestige or for popularity. He said, dearly beloved and longed for. Notice, my joy and crown. Then he said this, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I remember that verse over in Galatians 5.1. Stand fast in the Lord and in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. In both of these verses, that word stand fast means this, to be buttoned up to or to be fastened. It means to be clasped with. It means tied to. It means fastened with. Now tonight, our prayer ought to be, God help us to be fastened to the Father. Fasten us up. Buckle us in. And let us stand close to you so that we can say our needs are met in verse 7. And the peace of God. Now, the word and there is really a conjunction with verse 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you are fastened to the Lord. Brother, I don't have His peace. Well, there's some th other things that are missing. In your life, there is not that fastened-up relationship with the Father. Now, that's what we're going to talk about. Every Christian can have peace with God. I'm talking about the peace of God in your life by receiving from these portions of Scripture here, by receiving these three or four or five truths. Father, in Jesus' name, help us tonight to hear Thy Word and to be doers also. We'll thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank You for standing. Fastened to the Father. Stand fastened in the Lord. Then He goes on to talk about in verses 2 down through verses 6 what you do to maintain a, a steadfastness with God that gives you the fruit and the reward of peace in verse 7. 
Walk through them quickly with me. We won't be but a moment, so listen if you will. First, the first truth that we must see here is there must be a harmony in membership. Look at verse number 2. I beseech Eodius and beseech Cynthia that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, it is not always women that cause problems. It's not always men that cause problems. And if I ever give you that uh, impression when I'm preaching, I'm wrong. I have found out that both of us are made out of the same cut of cloth, and we both have our problems. Can I get a 50-50 witness? That's close. Harmony in membership. Two women, Eodius and Cynthia, was having a problem getting along in the church at Philippi. Now, it was not just an argument over the channel changer for the television. It wasn't just an argument over where they were going to eat. It wasn't just an argument over this or that. It was an argument that was so predicated on truth that Paul called their name. How would you like it said if a letter was written from here to another church that, or from another church to here, I understand there's two women over there causing problems and their names are, and they named you. You wouldn't hang around long. <laughs> You'd have a problem with that. Some of you can't even stand it when I allude to the truth, that it might fit you. So if I called your name, God, you'd go through the sheetrock trying to find the door. And I probably would too. He called their name. Now there was something going on that was a problem. And the Bible says, Paul said, I want them two women to be of the same mind. Notice now, in the Lord. Say that with me, please. In the Lord. Same-mindedness in the Lord Jesus brings harmony in the membership. Can I stop long enough to say, I'm glad tonight that I pastor where I do. There are so many imperfections here, it'd take us weeks to pinpoint them all and sort them out and write them down. We got our problem. We have our difficulties. But folks, I'm going to tell you, one of the best things that ever happens to you as far as coming from me is me traveling around in some of these churches and being thankful to God that I get to come back home because some of the places I go are fighting like cats and dogs over nothing. They are arguing over nothing. They are splitting hairs over nothing. And from preacher and pulpit to parishioner and pew, I'm telling you, there's a battle raging in some of these places called churches. But I want to stop and say, our problems may be uh, present and our problems may be real, but I want to thank God for our troubles. <laughs> I want to bless the Lord that I got the problems I got here because most of them is how are we going to get soul winning. Most of them are uh, 
Can I get that name instead of her? I want a winner. Hello? Most of our problems is, I wish there's room enough for me in the choir. Or, I had to walk all the way from the drainage ditch to the auditorium this morning because I couldn't find anywhere to park. Those things come about. But you know something? As far as us despising, as far as us, uh, as, uh, us depressing each other, or treating one another with malice and hurt and heartache, I'll be honest with you, if much of it's here, it's well hidden. And I want to bless the Lord tonight and thank Him. Sure as the world, it'll break out this week because I'm giving God glory. Y'all will start raising more devil. We'll have to call hell to get your social security number, get you back in there. But I hope that you'll take this and I hope that you'll see that... You, now listen, you cannot have peace with God and be fastened to the Father if you're out of step with the Father's family. Let's let that sink just a minute. Just sort of settle like a rain. If God Almighty saved me and God saved Him, we're in the same family. And we ought to bend over backwards and work hard to make sure that we stay fastened to the Lord. And you can't stay fastened to the Lord and run your mouth about the Lord's family. All right. Amen. And that's how we ought to feel about it. You know what I'm finding out about most people? They get out with other people because they don't understand what they're out for. And they don't understand all of the information they're getting on, on what made them mad. A lot of times, people just get disturbed over stuff that's not even worth a fight. And the reason you got disturbed is you got half the information instead of all of it. And if you'd have got all of it, it ain't worth hating nobody over. The best thing you can do is stay in fellowship, stay in contact, and love one another in the peace. Verse number 3, if you will, please. All right. Now, if, if you have harmony in membership, then there is going to be help or helpfulness in ministry. Paul had some women that had been good to them. Paul had some workers that had been faithful in the work of God. Clement was one of the preachers with Paul, and they had helped Clement also. And Paul wrote back to the church at Philippi and said, I want these people loved. I want these people encouraged. I want these people rewarded. I want you to help these people because they helped the ministry. Are you listening? These folks that work with me, I am constantly, constantly doing everything I can to teach them how to have skills with people that keep people doing for Jesus what they're doing. If somebody comes to the choir or the, the music ministry 
and gives Brother Steve some money for some equipment or books or whatever the case might be or chairs or whatever. They come and they want to do something for the music ministry. For him not to acknowledge it is wicked. I say it again, it's wicked. It's wrong for us to treat one another like we expect somebody to do what they're supposed to. Now, God can expect all He wants to, but we don't get that privilege because we're equal with those that serve with us. And if somebody is good to me, somebody is good to you in this church, you ought to do everything you can to be helpful to those people. Why? So they will continue to want to serve the Lord. Did you know when you are good to people, you are good to God? And that helps you to be fastened. Now, you, you fellows and ladies and secretaries and, and staff members, listen to what I'm saying. Don't ever let something be done for that school or for that soul winning ministry or in those offices or in that singles ministry or anywhere else. Maintenance. I don't care where it is. If somebody's good to you, acknowledge it. I need a witness right there. A note, a phone call, a thank you, or at the mission. You will never, ever carry that work on with what you raise. It will only keep going because of what God sends you over and above what you raise. And it's vitally important that you learn how to write people and thank people for their help in the ministry. Now, not, not just so they'll continue, but so the love between you and that person is encouraged, and then you stay fastened to the Father. God speaks to somebody to give you something. You're not taking it from the hand of a person. You're taking it from the mouth of God. He just used a person to get it there. And God said, I want the delivery boy thanked. I want the cab driver tipped. <laughs> I want the person who brought it to you encouraged so they'll keep doing it. You folks that work here, listen closely now because God knows we need to make sure that we don't let that slip. We need to... Uh, what, what I'm saying is we need to be good the situation because we may need them again. And we need people. Say that with me. We need people. Say it again. We need people. You know, one of the biggest problems that I see pastors have where I go, and they'll ask me, the problem is they'll ask me, what do you see I need to change? Oh. You need to go. That's what needs to be said in a lot of places. You don't have what it takes. I don't know how you got it this far. It's a miracle. God is still working in America. Because I, I, I watch people. My, my strong suit probably is people. The, the, these folks aren't here because they think I'm a dynamic preacher. They do love to preach Word here. But there are people here who trust people's skills in people. You don't trust anybody you don't like and you don't like anybody you don't trust. And you're never going to trust anybody who will walk by you and won't speak to you. 
And I watch them all the time run to get to me when I'm getting out of the car and walk by ten church members to do it and don't even say nothing to them. He said, I want you to be good to them women. They were good to, to me. <laughs> Somebody told me. Brother told me this morning uh, uh, about a man who had a cat. Now, you better be good because you may need them. Brother told me, he had come up and asked me, do you like cats? I won't tell you what I told him. I like them when their tails tied together across the clothesline, bless God, and have a movie camera so you can watch them just fight all day. But I mean, if you have a cat now and I come to your house, I love your cat because I have people skills. <laughs> Remember that day? was in that house so winning in that parrot just left the cage and lit right on Steve's bosom. Boom. Steve's looking dead into the bird's face. He said, this is a wonderful bird. He has people skills. I said under my breath, and he did too, let's cook the booger. But the, the brother said, a man had a cat. He hated it, but his children liked it. He got up one evening and took that cat about four miles down the road and dropped him off and ran back home, got back, and the cat was sitting on the banister, licking his little hairy arm. Yeah. He said, I'll get that booger. And the next night, he took that cat 12 miles down the road, throwed that cat out about 30 miles an hour, zipped back home. Bless Pete, when he got back, Old cat was saying, sitting right on the railing on the front porch. He said, I bet you I'll get rid of him. Took him 41 miles. Yes, sir. Put that joke out. Then he called back home in a little while. He said, honey, yeah, where are you? He said, that don't matter. Is that cat back there? She said, he's sitting on the front porch. He said, put him on the phone. I need the directions how to get back. You don't know when you're going to need that cat. Be careful how you let him out. Helpful in ministry. I wish I could get you to get this in your spirit. If you see people who've been good to you, as vital to your future, you can build a church. I don't care how well you preach. If you are not able to get people to want it, it will fall on a small congregation. Number three. Number three. Hopeful, listen closely, hopeful in memory. Look at verse 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. I'm talking about being fastened to the Father. There must be harmony in membership helpfulness in ministry and hopefulness in memory. Look at that verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. What is he saying here? He's saying that every one of us ought to have places in our life that we can go back to that set us on fire. We ought to have experiences that we can go back to that excite us. We ought to have places in our past, especially in our spiritual past. 
that we can go back to and get so much joy out of it that depression don't set up housekeeping in our heart. To rejoice means you know where your joy is and you can rehash it, rethink it, and go back and get it until it comes up into your present and encourages you. And I've never understood. But old F.B. Meyer said this about this verse. He said, Paul said, and again, I say rejoice because he said sometimes you have to do it over and over and over and over until your joy hooks up with your disappointment and beats it out of your presence. Rejoice in the Lord always. How many of you tonight have a conversion experience you can go back to? How many of you find yourself going back to it every once in a while saying, Thank God I can't go to hell. You know what people will tell me? I, I was on the phone with Dave McCoy, and I'll be preaching for him tomorrow night in Atlanta. He said, Brother Brown, he said, You know what our people likes about you? The most. I said, what is it? I'm good looking. They, he said, no. They like the third Sunday night in September, 1968. He had heard it so many times, he knows when I got saved. I will never let my ministry overshadow my conversion. I've got just as many problems as you have. Most of you do not have the problems I have tonight, but I have a place that I can rejoice. <laughs> I can go back there. And the devil said, I don't want to go back there. Well, you're going to have to leave me alone while I go back there. That's the general principle of the thing. And I can go back down to that altar at Abilene Baptist Church where the Holy Ghost took a drunkard and sobered him up and a club jumper and a bar hopper and a hall hopper and nothing but a devil full of demons saved him by grace, shook the power of hell out of him and put him in a pulpit. I don't care what happens around here during the week. I can always go back and rejoice myself. And again I say, keep doing it until you get happy. Let me ask you something. What's got you so depressed tonight that you can't enjoy the greatest thing that ever happened to you? You know what's wrong with most of our conversions? They're weak. And they're not thought of much because there's some doubt in them. And you don't want to go back where you doubt. And yours wasn't dramatic or spontaneous or spectacular. I want to tell you something. If God saved you, took just as much blood to get you clean as it did, that, that street man in the gutter, praise God and the Lamb forevermore, saved is saved. I don't care who got saved. I'll tell you, saved is saved. And you need a place where you can go back and rejoice yourself. <laughs> How many of you find yourself going down the road thinking about when you get saved and miss your turn off or, 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 or go the wrong way or run a red light? That's the excuse I use, but let me ask you something. Do you, do you have hopeful things in your memory? 
He says, rejoice. <laughs> you, say, you say, preacher, I can't do that because I'm too busy ministering the flaws of other people. <laughs> Why don't you leave everybody alone, stay out of their business and rejoice in your own victories and leave all this other stuff alone? Some of us, if it wasn't negative, it would be nothing at all. We need to get into the habit of saying, Hallelujah. Say that with me. Hallelujah. See, that's not going to kill you or choke you. You say, but preacher, if I do that, I'm going to have to, start, I'm going to, have to stop worrying about the problem. Well, that's the general principle of this whole thought. I'm trying to get you to get out of your despondency and into your encouragement. Rejoice. You say, well, i got bills. Oh, they're going to get paid by... How much do you make an hour worrying about them? Might as well rejoice. And while they're taking your car off, say, Whoa! Hallelujah! I'm glad it's gone. God's going to give me one better now. Or... <laughs> now you tell me, which one's going to get you further down the road? Hopeful in memory. Number number four. Humility in mannerism. Verse number five. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord's at hand. You know what that means? If you have a little something, don't tell everybody about it and make them feel bad. You be gentle with people according to what you have and don't flaunt it to people who have nothing and make them feel guilty for not having what you have. Moderation means... Live a simple lifestyle and whatever you got, keep it to yourself and praise God because He's at hand. He knows the truth about how you got it and the best thing you can do is praise Him. Can I get a witness? Some people come unfastened from the Lord with things they have. And anything we have that would unfasten us from God, we ought to give it away. That old boy, you heard about that fellow that was sitting at his new desk in his new office on his first day. You heard this. He was, he was running his mouth. He said, and I'll tell you right now, I want to make sure that you know on Wednesday we'll be in Chicago. On Friday I'll be out west, and I need to make sure that we have that, uh, that uh, Brown or that Smith case uh, with you when you come, and I'll see you then. He hangs up, and the fellow says, he says to the man, what can I do for you? He said, well, I came to hook your phone up. man was talking on a telephone, wasn't even hooked up about all his stuff. He wasn't moderate in his mannerism. He wasn't humble. He was bragging about what he didn't have. And you know what most people brag? <laughs> they brag about what they don't have. The last one. The last one. Can I get a witness? This is the last one. You're supposed to say, Hallelujah to God. All right. Healthy in mind. Now, what's the first thing? We get along with each other here. I need somebody to holler amen. Now, we may not be much, but we don't have to be mad at each other. You say, well, I was riding around this morning and that woman zipped in and got that parking space. It was the last one and I had to park at the bottom of the hill. That's that woman's husband. Can you just thank God, number one, you didn't have to walk over here? And number two, can you thank God that you're in your right mind and even want to come to church? I don't think a trip up that hill is going to kill everything God wants to do for you in here unless you let it. 
Number two, helpful in ministry. Make sure those people that help you keep helping you because you acknowledge their gift. Number three, hopeful in memory. Rejoice. Have a place you can go back to and rejoice. And humility and mannerism. What you have, praise God for it. Ain't none of nobody else's business and you're not going to be a big shock because you stick it under their nose. Be gentle with people. Live in moderation. And then number five, healthy in mind. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God. There's two things that keep your mind healthy. Number one is prayer. It is therapeutic. And not a soul you'll ever talk to that will never talk about you like Jesus will never talk about you. I can lay on my face in my study like I did this afternoon and tell him stuff that nobody else will ever know. And I know it goes nowhere but us. It's therapeutic. It is, it is, it is psychiatric treatment, prayer is. I'm, I'm talking about Jesus. Help me. Give me what I need in this situation. Help me in this set of circumstances. Lord, I need your power. And I know I hadn't done right. How many people in this room can you tell about your utter failure and feel good about it? Do it. It'll be in the bulletin. But I can tell God how ragtag, rotten, low down, and good for nothing I am. And He says, Son, but you're mine. And I love you anyway. I know you do. That's therapeutic. Prayer, going into the presence of God, it'll, it'll, it'll make your mind healthy. It'll flush out all your doubts. It'll flush out all your questions. And you can go to God and know that God is going to do something wonderful for you. And then number two is praising God. I had somebody tell me this morning, stand up with me, I'm done. <clears throat> stand up. Some of you don't think I'm done. Come on. Stand up. Somebody came to me this morning. They were from Tekoa. They're here on a Gideon assignment. And he said that uh, I preached when I was 23 years old in a church in the mountains of North Georgia, a place called Calvary Baptist Church, and he was there. He said, I wondered what happened to you. And he said, I rode by out here Friday going to the Radisson over here somewhere. Got off this exit and was coming over. He said, I seen your name on that sign and wondered if it was the same person. He said, and I came back this morning, and it is the same person. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, number one, you hadn't changed a lick since the last time I heard you preach. He said, when you threw those notes all over the place and started kicking stuff, I knew I was at the right place. He said, but I want to tell you something. This was in the hospitality room. He said, I came over here this morning, and I had no earthly idea when I came in. The burden and the heartache and, and, and the difficulty I'm facing next week with my business and stuff, he said, I had no idea I'd leave here caring less about it. I said, well, what do you think happened? He said, I watched the church, praise God. 
And he said, it took my mind off of my misery. Praising God. Now, there's two things it'll do. It'll make somebody who won't do it mad. And it'll make folks who do do it clear in their mind and in their heart. Our Father, I pray you'll take what we've tried to say.